if you want to avoid all the sickness this winter, the snotty noses, the coughs, the colds, the sleepless nights, the fevers, the Panadol and the antibiotics, the ear infections, the grumpy, tired kids, the days off work and school and childcare, are all those memories of last winter coming back? I'm here to tell you that it doesn't have to be that way this winter. I have a free online masterclass, three simple ways to boost your kids' immunity to avoid a winter full of sickness. It's on demand, meaning you can register and watch it straight away or watch it at a time that is convenient for you. Head on over to naturalsuperkids.com forward slash immune and you will be able to sign up. In the masterclass, I am covering our natural, simple and effective approach to avoiding winter infections, how to boost your family's immunity with our proven three-step naturopathic strategy that is really easy for you to implement as a busy mum. We're going to talk about the immune depleters that you need to avoid so you're not wasting time and money building up your kids' immunity that is just being depleted by these common foods and environmental factors. I am sharing heaps of practical tips. I promise it will be an hour well spent. You can register again at naturalsuperkids.com forward slash immune. I can't wait to hear how you find it and to give you the tips to make this winter healthier. Welcome to the Natural Super Kids podcast, where you will discover practical strategies to inspire you to boost the health and nutrition of your kids. I'm Jessica Donovan, a qualified naturopath specializing in kids' health, and I want to make it as easy as possible for you to raise healthy and happy kids. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody. Great to be with you today. And before we get started on the podcast today, I've got a special announcement. And this is going to be timely if you're listening to this as we go live with this particular episode, uh, which is in late February 2021. So if you're listening to this episode later, it may not be relevant, but I'm very excited to announce that I have a free masterclass coming up on the 9th of March, Tuesday, the 9th of March. And um, this masterclass is going to be about gut health. So I am going to be talking you through my three surprisingly simple ways to transform your kids' gut health to improve their mood, immunity, fussy eating, and allergies. So I am going to pop a link on where you can sign up in the show notes. Uh, Excited about this because it's more than just a one-off masterclass. We are going to have a free pop-up Facebook group to go with the masterclass. We're going to do bonus trainings. We're going to be doing giveaways and prizes. So if you're interested in improving your kids' gut health, this masterclass is a must, totally free. I'd love for you to come along. So make sure you register for that. You can find the link 
in the show notes. And even if you just head over to naturalsuperkids.com, our website, you'll find a way to sign up. We'll have a banner at the top to make it really nice and easy for you to be able to sign up for that. As I talk about so often, gut health really is the foundation of our kids' well-being. And today's episode is focused around gut health as well. And so it just has so many rippling positive effects when we work on gut health with our kids. As I said, on their mood, on their immune system, on their sleep, on their behavior, on their fussy eating, believe it or not. Um, that's a really big one that can be improved with some improvements in gut health. But I know that there are a lot of a lot of different ideas and lots of different information out there when it comes to gut health. So I want to simplify it for you and give you these three really effective things that you can be working on um, to improve your kids' gut health. So that's what we're going to be talking about in the masterclass. So for today's episode, as I said, it, we're definitely going to be talking about the gut today, as we do in nearly all episodes. Um, we're going to be focusing today on food intolerances and food sensitivities in kids. This is probably one of the most common thing that I see going on with kids that I work with in clinic on a one-on-one capacity and also with a lot of our Natural Super Kids Club members. And you know, it can be a really tricky area to navigate, to know how to figure out whether your child has food intolerances. What are the signs and symptoms? What's the testing that's available? Um, and what can be the effect on your kid's overall well-being? And how do we start to manage um, food intolerances and sensitivities in our kids? So these are all things we are going to be talking about today. So first of all, we are talking today about food intolerances and sensitivities, which is very different from food allergies. So let me just explain first of all a bit of a bit about the difference. So an allergy is generally um, what we call an IgE reaction. So the body is producing IgE antibodies when there's an allergy. And with an allergy, you will know about it. it. There is rapid onset. So almost immediately when a child eats a particular food that they're allergic to, they will start getting symptoms. The IgE type allergic responses is what leads to anaphylactic um, reactions in kids, which is obviously very serious. Uh, allergy and IgE based allergy is is it's possible to just have a tiny amount of a particular food and the symptoms um, can follow from that. And generally, it's quite easy to te- to detect both symptomatically and also with uh, testing. When we compare that with what we're talking about today, food intolerances and sensitivities, which are IgG reactions, there can be other types of intolerances and sensitivities as well. Um, so it's a, it's a different type of antibody that our body is producing with these types of reactions. And this can be these can be delayed onset hours later or even days later after consuming a food, you can have a a food sensitivity or intolerance reaction. And they tend to be dose dependent. So um, depending on how sensitive your child might be to a particular food, they may be able to have a small amount, but if they go over their particular threshold, they will get symptoms. 
and and these types of of uh, intolerances and sensitivities as opposed to allergies, are harder to detect, both with symptoms and testing. Because symptoms, the the delayed onset of symptoms can make it really tricky to figure out what it is your child is actually reacting to. And the testing, um, in my opinion, is not very accurate or effective because it's really changeable. We're going to be talking about that a little bit. So, that gets that sort of difference between allergies and intolerances sensitivities. And today we're focusing on those IgG um, food intolerances and sensitivities. So one of the things that makes this really tricky to detect is the symptoms can be very varied. Uh, So of course there are the gastrointestinal symptoms. So if your child does have a food intolerance or sensitivity, they will generally get some sort of digestive symptoms, whether that's bloating, pain, gas, diarrhea, vomiting, heartburn. Um, but when with younger children, these can be hard to detect because it might just result in a lot of whinging and whining um, and, a, and a pretty unhappy child because they don't always articulate what's going on with them. Um, but those those gastrointestinal symptoms are really common. Skin symptoms are also very common with food sensitivities and intolerances. So we're thinking things like rashes, hives, even eczema can be triggered by food intolerances. And then there are the mood and the behavior and the sleep symptoms. So there could be irritability or hyperactivity or lots of tantrums and meltdowns and, you know, a generally unhappy child when there's no you know, sort of external reason why they should be unhappy. Uh, Food intolerances can definitely be linked to sleep issues, whether that is frequent waking through the night or troubles with sleep onset, uh, with, with getting to sleep. And then there can be the pain uh, type symptoms as well. So headaches and joint pain, fatigue, uh, respiratory symptoms like coughing, wheezing, sinus issues, sneezing, and picky eating can be a a common sort of presentation of kids, particularly with like a, a range of sensitivities and intolerances because they don't want to eat because they know eating makes them feel yucky or uncomfortable. So they become, can become quite picky eaters is the experience um, of, of the clients that I've seen in clinic for sure. So food intolerances and sensitivities, as I said, are known as IgG reactions as opposed to IgE reactions um, that are sort of related to allergies. So a lot of food intolerances and sensitivities are immune mediated, but not all of them are. So sometimes they might be linked to more of a, of a digestive deficiency, such as an enzyme deficiency. And lactose intolerance is a really good example of this. So lactose intolerance results because there is not enough of the enzyme that breaks down lactose that enzyme is called lactase, um, a little bit confusing. And so lactose doesn't properly break down and then can lead to bloating and pain and wind and loose bowel movements and diarrhea, that sort of thing in children and adults as well. So lactose intolerance is a good example of 
a food intolerance that is not um, solely to do with the immune system, although there would be some sort of immune um, you know, regulation issue in there as well, but it does have that sort of digestive deficiency kind of pattern. And um, yet there are, there are many other uh, examples as well of those types of food intolerances. So they're not always these IgG intolerances that we're talking about. They can be just related to a, a digestive deficiency. And the common pattern that we see with food intolerances and food sensitivities is that kids are starting to become more and more sensitive to more and more foods. So you might detect that your child, you know, isn't great with dairy. So you remove dairy or, or you remove lactose from their diet and their symptoms improve but they don't totally go away. And maybe a month or two later, you're noticing that they're now having an issue with some other foods. And so this is a very common presentation that kids tend to start getting more and more sensitive, more and more intolerant to, to more foods. And we're going to talk about why that is the case. So when you are you know, going to see a practitioner or a doctor Often the first thing that is recommended is that you avoid the food that is causing the issue if you know what that is. And this is, you know, good advice. This is necessary as a first step to give the digestive system a rest, to reduce or eliminate the symptoms, but it's not the the, the end of the story because as I said, if we're not looking at at some of the underlying issues that are going on here, then that child can potentially just become more and more sensitive, more and more intolerant to more and more foods. And we can't have a child that can only eat a handful of foods. You know, I've definitely seen these children and my my priority with these kids is to get more variety into their diet. It's a bit of a catch-22 because, uh, you know, a lot of these kids can't have a lot of variety because they get symptoms from so many foods, but that lack of variety is not sort of um, doing anything for their overall digestive function and particularly their microbiome, um, you know, the diversity. We need diversity in our diet for a nice, diverse microbiome. And that's really important for overall gut function. So we want to be digging a bit deeper and looking for some other things that we can do besides just removing the foods that our kids are intolerant to. And sometimes we might not even be able to pinpoint the foods that they are intolerant or sensitive to. And just a note here on testing. This is a question I get asked a lot um, about food intolerance testing. And I'm not a fan, as I said earlier, um, of food intolerance testing or IgG um, intolerance testing. Now, it does have its place. Lots of practitioners use it. Uh, but again, I have found over my many years of practice that the results can be variable and what shows up as a food intolerance one month compared to say three or six months later um, can be quite different for that same person. So that can be confusing. And again, if we're just looking at what foods we need to remove from the diet for that person to be well, I think we're really missing the point because essentially our digestive systems should be able to break down 
a range of different foods. Um, and we're talking about, you know, a, a whole range of different foods here that people can be intolerant to. We don't just want to be removing more and more foods from the diet. So we want to be thinking about some of those underlying issues um, that could be leading to this person becoming intolerant or sensitive. And that is what our approach here at Natural Super Kids is all about. It's about starting to improve tolerance, starting to improve um, that sensitivity to foods so that kids can eat a really nice varied diet. Um, and so I am much more a fan when it comes to figuring out, you know, what's going on and, and what foods we might need to remove initially while we start to improve gut function. Um, I'm much more keen on a food elimination approach and reintroduction approach. And I find that this is a much more effective way at pinpointing um, the foods that are the triggers or the causes of these the symptoms in kids. So uh, working, this is, it's really important that you do work with a practitioner on this. Um, so we, I won't go into details of how to do this because it really is variable based on, you know, what type of food we're, we're sort of um, thinking might be the issue and we need to make sure that there aren't any like, lack of nutrients or nutrient deficiencies, uh, deficiencies that could start to develop from removing a particular food or a group of foods. And so it's really important to be working with a practitioner, but I would certainly be looking at food elimination and reintroduction as a better way to figure out what's going on for your child in terms of food sensitivities than an IgG food intolerance test. All right, so let's have a look at some of those underlying factors. There's four things that I want to go through here. Uh, the first one is gut function. The second one is the microbiome. The third one is the gut barrier. And the fourth one is immune regulation. So as I said, a lot of these food intolerances and sensitivities are developing because there's a lack of resources within the body, within the digestive system to break things down properly, to handle different things within the body. And so we want to be working on that to start to improve a child's tolerance so they can have a nice, healthy, varied diet. And we don't have to be you know, it's stressful. I, I'm sure mums that are listening that do have kids with sensitivities, you know, they go they go to a birthday party or a sleepover and you have to make sure they're not having dairy and they're not having salicylates and they're not having, you know, all of these different things. So yes, that can be helpful and necessary initially, but while we're doing that elimination, we want to be building up gut function, building up a healthy microbiome, making sure that gut barrier is nice and robust and as healthy as possible, and making sure the immune system is well regulated as well. Okay, so first of all, we want to make sure that gut function is as good as it can be, or we want to start to develop a healthier gut function. 
And there's a lot involved in gut function. There's all sorts of different enzymes being produced and um, peristaltic movements that move food through and, you know, all sorts of things that are, that are going on in terms of healthy gut function. But two of the things that we really want to be thinking about when it comes to food intolerances and sensitivities is number one, stomach acid production, and number two, general enzyme production as well. And so we want to be making sure that we're maximizing um, and optimizing these two things. So for proper stomach acid production, one of the thing that's op- things that's often overlooked is zinc. So our body needs the mineral zinc to produce a healthy amount of stomach acid. And uh, zinc is really important in general enzyme uh, production as well. Now, again, this this is sort of changeable based on the, the particular child we're talking about, the particular food intolerances we're talking about. But I think just being aware that we want to start to think about that stomach acid production and that enzyme production. And one of the things we can think about is zinc. Now, sometimes an enzyme deficiency can be genetic, like lactose intolerance and a deficiency in the enzyme lactase definitely has a strong genetic link. So there's not always, you know, a, a something we can do to make it perfect again, but but there's certainly things that we can do to start to improve it. So um, thinking about those things is really important. And the next thing that we want to be thinking about is the microbiome or the bacteria within our kids' um, digestive tracts or large intestine specifically. So what we want, we really want to be thinking about making sure that the diversity of the microbiome is as healthy as possible. And that really is the key when it comes to addressing lots of things when it comes to kids' health, but particularly food allergies and intolerances as we're talking about um, today. And I've talked about this on, on past podcast episodes, that in, in the hunter-gatherer days, we had twice the diversity we have now um, on average in our digestive tracts. And it's our modern processed diet and it's our modern lifestyle that has led to this reduction in the diversity, which is having a flow-on effect when it comes to more problems with food, um, breaking down food, food sensitivities, food intolerances. So to increase the diversity in our kids' gut to address these food sensitivities and intolerances, we want to make sure that we are fueling the good bacteria within their gut. And we can do this with prebiotics, which are a type of fiber that feed the good guys in the gut. They nourish the good bacteria. They encourage the good bacteria to grow. And you can find many prebiotics in whole foods, including things like vegetables and whole grains and legumes and nuts and seeds. And so we want to get more of these healthy whole foods into our kids' diets. The other thing we want to do is to expose our kids to different microbes. We live in a very, in my opinion, overly hygienic um, you know, a very well sanitized world, particularly, you know, I think 2020 ramped that up. Um, but what it means generally, even pre 2020, is that our kids aren't exposed to different microbes um, as much as they were even a generation ago. So we want to encourage that 
exposure to different microbes. And one of the easy ways that we can do that is get them to play outside. Just the act of being in in an outdoor environment helps to improve that microbiome diversity. Um, Pets can also be a really great way to improve diversity. And so these are just a couple of things that we want to think about when we are wanting to improve um, that overall uh, microbiome diversity in our kids. Probiotics and or fermented foods can be really helpful as well, um, but we want to make sure that we are getting some professional advice when it comes to probiotics. I'll pop a link in the show notes. I'd, I've got a blog on choosing a good probiotic for your kids. Um And definitely including fermented foods in their diet is a good way to introduce lots of good bacteria to their gut. This is going to be beneficial for our kids in so many different ways. But if you are, if you know your child has a food intolerance or you suspect a food sensitivity, then this is really important work that that will really help to develop a higher tolerance for more of a range of foods. So as I said, the third thing that we want to be thinking about is the gut barrier. So if we think about the gut as a tube and food passes through in that tube and at the end we eliminate what we don't need and we absorb what we do need. Obviously, this is, you know, very simplistic, but we have tight junctions between the cells of the gut wall. Um, And we want the food to stay in the tube. But what happens so commonly in our, in the Western world with our modern diet and our modern lifestyle is that those tight junctions between the cells of the gut will break down and the food can leak into the bloodstream before it's been fully broken down or fully di- digested. And this is known as leaky gut. You may have heard that term before. Um, And when there is undigested food in the bloodstream, the immune system sees it as an enemy and responds with inflammation. And this is one of the the big causes um, and contributors to food allergies and intolerances. And this is exactly the reason why those kids that I see so often, as I was saying before, that are becoming more and more intolerant to more and more foods because we remove the offending food that's causing the symptoms, but we haven't healed that gut. We haven't improved that gut barrier. So the next food they start eating lots of will start to leak through and the immune system will start to see that as an enemy and start attacking. So without addressing that gut barrier issue, we're not going to make any progress. Um, We're just going to need to keep on removing more and more foods from our kids' diets. And I don't think any of us really want to do that. It is a bit of a chicken and egg scenario. So leaky gut can create food allergies and intolerances, but inflammation from food allergies and intolerances can also cause leaky gut. So leaky gut and that um, that nice robust gut barrier is something we want to be thinking about in kids with allergies and sensitivities and 
intolerances. And so there are nutrients that will help to heal and seal that gut back up. And things like zinc and the amino acid glutamine are two of the two, two really common ones and two really effective ways that we can start to improve the gut. Bone broth and the gelatin, the beautiful gelatin that bone broth contains, um, is really effective at starting to heal the gut as well. So these are, these are some things that you can be thinking about doing with your kids uh, with food sensitivities and allergies and intolerances. And the last thing that I want to talk about is immune regulation. So we want to encourage a well-regulated immune system. Um, we've got to remember that our kids' immune systems are immature. They need. They still need to learn what to do, and um, you know we can train them. One of the best ways that we can train our kids' immune systems is with exposure to those microbes that I talked about before. So kids are more prone to allergies. You know, a lot of kids grow out of allergies as their immune systems develop. So their immune systems are much more prone to confusion than our adult ones are. But even allergies in adults is on the rise. So um, it's not just that immature immune system. It's the things that we that our bodies need, that our bodies require to train our immune system to be well regulated. So one of the most important things that we need to do for healthy immune regulation is have good healthy gut function and a good healthy diverse microbiome. Um, so the things that I've already talked about in this episode are really important to that immune regulation as well. The other thing we need to think about for healthy immune regulation is vitamin D. So vitamin D is an essential nutrient for immune regulation. It's also essential for diverse gut bacteria and maintaining the gut barrier. But unfortunately, even in sunny Australia, uh, low vitamin D is all too common. So to support healthy vitamin D levels in our kids, we want to encourage them to play outside because vitamin D comes from the sun. We absorb vitamin D um, through our skin. Again, put simplistically, uh, I could definitely you know, talk all day about vitamin D, but that's just one part of what I want to talk about today. So as we head into winter, um, we want to make sure that we are that our kids are still getting nice, healthy exposure to sunshine. Um, and in those cooler months, or if you live in a cooler climate, we want to make sure that our kids are getting outside in that midday sun. Obviously, we don't want to be doing this in really hot climates or in the middle of summer. Here in South Australia, it you know can be almost unbearable some days to go outside in the midday sun. Um, but vitamin D is really important. We, we think about that, uh, you know, sun exposure, we can also supplement with vitamin D. Vitamin D is something we can get fairly easily tested. It is a blood test, which isn't always easy with kids. But if you are concerned about your kids' vitamin D, it might be a good idea to have them tested because then you can make a really well-informed choice about how much they need in terms of supplements so that you're not sort of wasting um, time and money giving them supplements that they don't need. Vitamin D is something that is, um, you know, it's a fat-soluble nutrient. It's not 
easily excreted from the body when when we when we've had too much like for example vitamin C is so it is a good idea to get um you know to to get some testing done on your kids if you're uh, concerned about their vitamin D okay so just to just to kind of summarize those four points that we really want to be thinking about addressing in our kids with food intolerances and food sensitivities the first one was that overall gut function particularly stomach acid production and enzyme production and zinc can be really effective here there's a lot of other things um, that can help as well but zinc is a really good start a nice, diverse, healthy microbiome is really important. So we want to be exposing our kids to microbes um, in an outdoor environment, in fermented foods. We want to be making sure that those microbes or the good guys are being fueled by those prebiotic fibers in whole foods, such as vegetables and um, whole grains and legumes and nuts and seeds. We want to work on that gut barrier. Lots of kids, it's almost it's almost certain um, with kids that have intolerances and sensitivities that their gut barrier, um, those tight junctions are starting to break down and food is, is leaching through into the bloodstream. So we want to make sure that that gut barrier is nice and healthy. And a couple of ways we can do that is, again, zinc, um, glutamine, the amino acid, and bone broth. But we do want to make sure we're seeking professional help in terms of doses and the best combination of things to be um, giving to our kids in, in either supplement form or in food sources to make sure that they're getting all of the things that they need. And then lastly, we talked about that immune regulation, making sure that our kids' immune systems are well regulated so they're not prone to allergies, sensitivities, intolerances. And for that nice healthy immune regulation, we need to think about gut health, all the things we've talked about prior, and also optimizing their vitamin D levels. So I really hope that this information has made you think about food intolerances and sensitivities in a different way. I know, you know, the more common approach is to figure out what foods are causing these issues, remove the foods from the diet and get on with your life. Um, but as I said, it's not as simplistic as that. And often, you know, this sort of approach can lead to more and more issues. Now, if you haven't already downloaded a copy of our free Kids Gut Health ebook, I would highly recommend that you do because this will reiterate a lot of the things that I've talked about today in terms of those things that improve gut function. And also it will give you a good overview of how our kids' gut health can affect so many other areas of their well-being. And as I said, um, if you're listening to this in time, uh, you can register for the free masterclass that I have coming up on the 9th of March, uh, three surprisingly simple ways to transform your kids' gut health to improve their behavior, immunity, allergies and fussy eating. So the link to that is in the show notes. I would love to hear from you. Send me a DM on Instagram and let me know what you thought of this episode. Let me know something new that you learned. I would love to hear from you. Or 
if you don't want to reach out to me personally, you can share an Instagram story and tag us, Natural Super Kids, um, and share something that you learned with maybe some other mums um, that you're friends with or who are in your community. Uh, and I can reshare any of those stories that you share on Instagram as well. Okay, guys, I hope you have a great day and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Head on over to our website, naturalsuperkids.com, for the show notes for this episode, as well as a whole heap of inspiration to help you raise healthy and happy kids. I'll see you next week. Before you go, don't forget about my free online on-demand masterclass, Three Simple Ways to Naturally Boost Your Kid's Immunity to Avoid a Winter Full of Sickness. I'm sharing my practical tips on ways that you can strengthen your whole family's immune system to avoid the onslaught of winter infections so your family can stay healthy and well this winter. You can sign up at naturalsuperkids.com forward slash immune.